Well, good morning, Chapel Hill. Good to see all of you out there this morning. It was also good to actually be able to hear you singing. Usually I'm up here on the stage with the worship team, and so it was great to participate with you in worship. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Gunnar, and I'm the director of worship here soon to be in like maybe three hours, I think. (laughs) Not good at math, but three hours, I'll be your pastor of worship. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to celebrating that. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I wanted to make sure they got my title right up there. So, um, so close. So close. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here. And honestly, I want to kick off just by saying a big thank you, thank you to you as a church. Thank you for your support of me over these last several years as I've gone through seminary and gone through all the training and the tests and the, all that fun stuff. Anyway, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for supporting me in uh, just a variety of different ways. I'm incredibly appreciative. So thank you. I also want to point out my folks are here. I want to thank them today. Laura and Steve, thank you for your support, and uh, good to have you in worship. And uh, today we are going to continue our series in the book of what? Where are we? Philippians. Okay, maybe haven't been to church in a while. All right, okay. Getting caught up here. Philippians chapter 2. And as we make our way through the second chapter of the book together, we've been talking about this theme of joy on empty. That what if it was the greatest joy uh, to be be found. There goes my microphone. Uh, What if the greatest joy to be found is actually when we're at our emptiest? What if we could experience greater fullness— However, we might define that when we are at our emptiest. What if the fullest life is actually the emptiest life? And so we're going to unpack what in the world I'm talking about. As we dig into Philippians chapter 2, it continues this theme of joy on empty. We're going to be reading Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5. You'll see it up on the screens, and you can follow along in your Bibles too if you wish. This is the word of God to us today. Have this mind among yourselves— which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he what? Emptied himself. I'm a call and response guy. You guys will get used to it. So he what? Emptied himself. Very, very good. All right. And he did that by, this is the way he did it, by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the word of the Lord, and so we say with grateful hearts, thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray together that the Lord would guide us. Lord, thank you so much for this word. Lord, as I come to this pulpit, as I do each time whenever I'm going to preach, I feel the unworthiness of myself and just the gravity of how great you are, Lord Jesus. And so, would you grant me grace to magnify who you are, to, to put you on display? And, and we just pray that your word would shine forth in our hearts today. Spirit of God, would you use the word of God to make us more like the Son of God? It's in his name that we pray, and God's people said, amen, amen. All right, so this little passage I just read, it may very well be the most succinct and yet the most in-depth statement that we have about Jesus. And what's really amazing about this statement is it's not just a statement, it is a song, as we learned last week. This was very likely one of the very first hymns that the early church sang. 
It was one of the very first worship songs, like we sang today. It's not just a statement, it's a song. And like all the songs that we sing in church, at least this is our aim around here, these songs aren't just meant to be expressional. That is, they're not just meant to be words that we express to God. Yes, that's true. We want to express our gratitude, our love, our appreciation. But they're also meant to be formational. And that as we sing the words of our worship songs, they shape us more and more into the likeness of Christ. They remind us of who God is and how that affects the way that we live our lives. Not just expressional, but formational. And that's the case of all the songs that we want to sing in worship. That was certainly the case of this ancient song. And that's why Paul starts off with a very clear moral invitation. He says, I'm going to unpack this song for you. And the reason I'm going to share this song with you is because I want it to affect the way that you live. I want it to affect your mindset, your perspective, your way of life. And so he begins with those words, have this mind, this way of thinking. Have this mind among yourselves that was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're invited to think like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to become like him. To be shaped by this song more and more into his image. And the way that we're shaped by this song, the character traits that he wants to cultivate in our lives as we sing these words to our souls, is the big idea of our message today. And it surrounds this theme of emptiness. Here's the big idea of our talk. The Christian life is a what? Empty life. Okay, gotta help me out a little bit better than that. The Christian life is in empty life. Thank you. That just makes me feel nice and cozy. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to empty ourselves. This is the whole concept. Christian life's an empty life. So if I want to follow Jesus, I gotta do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do according to our text? Well, in verse 7, it says that Jesus emptied himself. And that little phrase translates an even littler Greek word, and that word is the word kenosis. Kenosis. And this idea of kenosis or of emptying oneself has actually been a real point of controversy in church history. What do we do with this? And I think the reason it's been, become so controversial is because it's confusing. Most things that are controversial, they're confusing. We can't quite wrap our mind around what it would even look like for a person to empty themselves. What, what is this? What does this mean? And so I want us to try to get to the bottom of that. What it meant for Jesus And by extension, since we're going to emulate Christ, what it means for us. And to do that, we're going to answer two very simple questions that we're going to interrogate the text with. One, how did Jesus empty himself? And two, how do we empty ourselves? What does that look like? So one, let's kick off with this one. How did Jesus empty himself? Well, as you can imagine, our passage, Philippians 2, answers that question for us. But interestingly enough, before how he actually did empty himself. It tells us firstly how he did not empty himself. There's something that the song clarifies for us right from the beginning, and that is that while Christ was willing to empty himself, he would not empty himself of his substance as God, his godness, his divinity. The Christ hymn begins with these powerful affirmations of who Jesus was, and it's mind-blowing It says, who though Jesus was in the form of God, morphetheu. And this little phrase is actually more fully translated in another version of the Bible, the NIV, when it has it, who being in very nature God. 
Maybe you've heard that before. Who being in very nature God. That is, Jesus always has been and Jesus always will be God to his very core. It is essential to his essence. It is substantial to his substance. Jesus can't help but be God. It's who he is always and forever. And so it's made really clear from the start that Jesus didn't give up his substance as God. He wasn't willing to empty himself of that. But as we read on, we begin to see what Jesus was willing to empty of himself, himself of. We read that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The state of being equal to God is another way you could translate that. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, while Jesus would not give up his substance, who he was at his core, he would let go of his status. He would let go of his status, his place in the heavens, his powerful position, his praise, his perfect unity and pure joy in the presence of his Father. That he would give up. Not only would he give it up, he did give it up. And that's where we read on that Jesus did not hold on to that status. He didn't cling on to it like we would. But instead he what? Emptied himself. He emptied himself. Kenosis. Now, this idea of emptying oneself, like I said, it's really tricky. But it's exactly what it sounds like in our English Bibles. It's this image of pouring something out. Emptying it of its contents to the very bottom. It's just what it sounds like. It's emptying something of itself. And so, it's meant to be a picture for what Jesus did. He was willing to pour himself out, to give himself up, to give away his status. And he was willing to do this to the point that he would give away his very self. He was pouring himself out to the point of becoming nothing, to empty himself of his contents, as it were. And so if we put all this together, all this teaching together, Jesus emptied himself not of his substance, but of his status in order to give away his very self. Does that make sense so far? Yes? He was willing to give away the best existence imaginable to go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. This whole idea of Jesus doing this, giving up his status, it reminded me of a show that Amy and I watched recently, and uh, we're kind of reality show junkies. It's not healthy, but it's the truth. Um, so might as well confess it in front of, front of 100 people here. But we watched uh, this show called Undercover Billionaire. You ever heard of this show? It's Undercover Boss. There's Undercover Billionaire. I even watched this week Undercover Pastor. It wasn't as good. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was actually pretty funny. It's just too blasphemous to show in church. So uh, Undercover Billionaire it is. Undercover Billionaire, these uh, folks, they get dropped off. They're billionaires, obviously. They get dropped off in these random places. In fact, one of them got dropped off here in our neck of the woods, and we were kind of watching the whole show, and we went, whoa, that looks familiar. And she was dropped off at the Narrows Airport, and then she drove across the Narrows Bridge, and she ended up, she was planted in Tacoma. And so it was really kind of interesting to watch through it. Um, But what they do with these billionaires is they don't let them use their real name. They don't let them use any of their money. Uh, And these billionaires are given a simple yet very difficult challenge, which is to build a million-dollar business in the span of 90 days. So they have nothing. It's actually really miserable. I mean, these people are so miserable at the beginning. They arrive, all, they're given a, a, a phone without contacts, $100, and an old truck. That's all they get. And then they have to go into these towns and meet everybody. No contacts, no place to sleep, uh, no form of income. But in the end, after they've built their businesses, the aim is to give that business away to the community that gave so much to them. 
Friends, I don't know about you, but that reminds me a lot of what Jesus did, <laughs> believe it or not. I know it's risky to compare Christ to a billionaire, um, but it's a close enough uh, illustration to show us how Jesus did it. Because these billionaires, when they went and they lived these other places, they were still billionaires, right? They still had their substance. They had their true identity. They still had their families. So they weren't giving up their substance. They were giving up their what? Status. They were willing to give up their status, how people treated them, how they lived. It was just really bizarre because they'd walk into these meetings expecting everybody to listen to them, and they don't because they don't have the, the name associated with their bank account. So that's where they went. They weren't giving up their substance. They were giving up their status. Friends, Jesus is the true and better undercover billionaire. He gave up his status in the heavens to serve us and to sacrifice for us here down on earth. In fact, those are the two ways that the text goes on to tell us how he emptied himself. He emptied himself by, very important little prepositional phrase, preposition of means, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He emptied himself through service. He was willing to get down on his hands and knees and serve the lowliest of society. To the point that he'd even wash his disciples' grimy, dirty toes, right? And, the, and he said, go and do likewise. We read account after account, example after example, narrative after narrative in the Gospels of how Christ was willing to serve. He spent time with sinners like you and me. He's willing to befriend those who had been ostracized by their community. He's willing to come alongside the mourning, the broken, the lonely, when they were all but abandoned. Jesus served us. I was thinking about that this morning, just how, how amazing that is that he would do that for us. Just what an amazing picture of love. Jesus served us, but that's not all. We're told then that he also emptied himself through sacrifice. We read on in verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here's the picture, friends. Jesus wasn't just willing to come from being the greatest master of the universe to the lowest of all lowliest servants of everybody. He himself, the giver of life, was willing to become the recipient of death. This is huge. We sang that earlier in one of our songs. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. The giver of life took on death. He went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. It's like it wasn't enough for him to be homeless. By the way, Jesus was homeless, in case you haven't heard. Jesus was homeless, and then he went and he got down on his hands and knees to wash our feet. Now, that's not empty enough. That's not low enough for Jesus. He keeps going down to the point that he empties himself completely in death. But our text is like, well, that's not even, that's not far enough. Even death by a cross. The worst imaginable criminal's crucifixion is what Christ endured. And so as we think about him going from the highest of heights to the lowest of lows, I wonder if you have the same question I do, which is why? Why, oh Jesus, would you do such a thing? And this is where I get to tell you the gloriously good news of the gospel. He did it for you. He did it for you. Jesus gave himself away. And can I preach today, by the way? Is that okay? He gave himself away in service for you. He got on his hands and knees 
and served people for you. Jesus sacrificed himself for you. Here's why. Jesus served others to live the life that you could never possibly live. You can never fill up to the point of the righteous life that God expects you to live because he dwells in complete perfection, unapproachable light, ultimate glory. And so you could never fill yourself up to that point. Jesus lived the life that you could never live by serving everybody, loving everybody, healing everybody, staying up all night to pray for you, and then fasted and endured the temptation of the devil so that you could have his righteousness. Jesus fulfilled all righteousness for you. And if that gets you excited, whoa, there's some more for you. Jesus didn't live, just live the life that you couldn't live. He died the death that you couldn't die. This is why we are here at church, people. It's the gospel. That is why you get up and you go, okay, I got to go to church today. And then you walk in, you go, okay, well, I hope the songs are good. And, you know, they don't have coffee out here. Oh, pff, who cares? You're here for Jesus. You're here for Jesus. Jesus died the death you could never die. He paid your sin debt in full. And we say glory, hallelujah. We have committed so much sin. We are so selfish. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's so unbelievable. I get up in the morning sometimes and I go, you selfish, selfish man. You know, it's serious. It's, it's like, wow. The first thought that pops into your mind is how do I get me what I want? Selfish, selfish, selfish. And so Jesus sacrificed himself for selfish people like you and me at the cross. Jesus lived the life you couldn't live, and he died the death you couldn't die. In the words of, let me just apply this to our hearts. In the words of our passage, Jesus gave up his status, came down and lived at our lowliest of statuses so that he could bring us back up and give us his status. Isn't that amazing? It's like a bell curve. That's kind of what this whole this whole—this is my nerdy side coming out, but it's like—it's a bell curve of, of the gospel. Jesus is up here at the highest status imaginable, and it says, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, and he dies, and he serves, and he does all that for us so that he can bring us back up. You are now seated by faith with Christ in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. If you have said, you know what, you're right, I, 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 the debt is too big to pay. I am too selfish. I, I can't live the life that God possibly wants me to live. And so, yes, Jesus, I trust that you did that for me. If you say that in your heart of hearts, the status of Jesus has been applied to you. When God sees you, he sees his son. Jesus emptied himself so that you could be filled up. And that is the glorious good news of the gospel. So that's what we learn in this text, and we see this just amazing Christ that we go, I just love him so much. I want to love him more. I want to live for him more. And so we claim to be followers of Christ, and if we're going to follow Christ, then we have to live like Christ. And that leads us to our second question. How do we do what he did? How do we empty ourselves? The plain teaching of this text is, well, we have to follow in the footsteps of Christ. We have to give ourselves away in self-giving service and sacrifice. It's a really high call. It's a really high call. 
And I was just thinking, I got up, I, I woke up this morning at 3.45 in the morning, and I couldn't fall back asleep because I was nervous uh, to come and be up in front of all of you today. But I was just thinking about, like, I feel really weak. I feel really tired. And then I just thought, again, what Jesus went through for me. And then I thought, what, what about all those folks around the globe who are being persecuted for their faith? They're imprisoned. They're laying on a cold floor, and they're all alone. And what would lead people to give themselves away in such amazing ways? I think it's that the folks that are willing to make that kind of service and sacrifice a part of their lives have so grasped their status in Christ, they're willing to give everything away for it. Don't you think? I think we need to remember our status over and over again. In the words of our text, Jesus didn't count it something to be grasped so that we can grasp onto it. Jesus didn't grasp onto his status so that we can. We can remind ourselves again and again who and whose we are in Christ. And this is not only important to do that so that we can become more servant-hearted, it really is just to do battle with our own selfishness. Because the fuel for selfishness is our own search for status. Can I say that again? The fuel for your own selfishness is your own search for status. More, 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 more. I want more status. We long for acknowledgement. We long for approval. We long to be good enough. We long to be better than other people. C.S. Lewis says that's actually the heart of pride. It's not to be great. It's to be greater. I want to be better than somebody else. Think about all the ways, think about all your relationships, how often you're in a competitive mindset with other people. It's just constant. It's just a total waste of time. Total waste of energy. So the question is, how do I get out of that game? I want to get out of the status searching game. I don't want to care as much about what I look like, sound like, feel like. I don't want to care as much about what other people think I look like, feel like, sound like. I want to care about what God thinks about me. So how do I get from here to there? And the way you get from here to there is by meditating on your status in Jesus Christ. You're already there. You've already arrived where you so desperately long to arrive. So stop wasting your energy and your mental power on trying to get there. What a waste of time. So the gospel frees us to do that because Christ already earned it. I could just operate in my status. I'm forgiven. I'm free. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I have everything I could possibly want or need. I have all the resources that I want in the gospel. And so remind yourself of that over and over and over. You never outgrow it. I don't care if you're 25 or 85 or somewhere in between. You never outgrow having to preach that gospel to your own soul day in, day out. Remind yourself of your status. And then from there to close, we start giving ourselves away. And this is where it gets fun. We give ourselves away in service. Like Jesus, we follow him. We serve the, the lonely, the lowly, the, the broken, the needy in our lives. And we find ways to do that. And honestly, this is a, a fantastic church for me to learn how to be more of a servant because so many of you guys serve so well. As I look around, I know a lot of you. And I know that you serve your families. You serve your community. You serve this church. It's just awesome. And the reason you do that is because you love Jesus. And you know that he loves you, and you want other people to know that love. So thank you all for your, your sacrifice and your service. And then for those of us like me who still struggle to serve, we need to follow that example by giving ourselves away again and again to the poor, the lonely, the hungry, the homeless, the broken, the disenfranchised, the oppressed, 
And we do that over and over and over again, not to prove that we're so great or so good, but to prove that Jesus is. So give yourself away in service. Uh, There's a million and one ways to do that at the church. If you've been hearing opportunities of how to do it and you go, maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Just do it. (laughs) Just go for it. Um, Because you will find greater fullness in life there. Finally, give yourself away in sacrifice. Jesus' call is clear. He says to take up your cross and follow me daily. We have to be willing to lay down our very self-interest down at the foot of the cross. Every day, Jesus, I'm selfish, I'm sorry. Here's all the things that I want, I feel like I need. I I just lay that all before you, and I, I trust you, Jesus. And when we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, that's when God fills us with an extra measure of his spirit. If you go, I want more of God in my life. I want to know him. I I want to be closer to him. I want to sense him more in my life. And I want to be his presence on, on the earth. Step one is to give yourself away. When you give yourself away, that's when God fills you with his spirit. Because it's really tough to be filled with self and in God's spirit at the same time. They are in contrary work to one another. So we're going to close by doing that together, by, if you want to, offering yourself back to God and say, I I give you all of me. Take all of me for your purposes. I give it all on the line because of what you've done for me. Would you now, Lord, fill me afresh with your spirit? Uh, The band's going to come out and just uh, play underneath as we pray, but uh, just a reminder, today is Pentecost Sunday. As, you, as we've been hearing throughout this time. It's when we celebrate the Holy Spirit. And what's so interesting to me about the first Christians and their encounter with the Holy Spirit is that they were fasting and praying when the Holy Spirit was upon them. In other words, they were literally empty before the Holy Spirit filled them up. And so what we're going to do is just an exercise of prayer to say, Lord, I empty myself of myself. <laughs> Like you did, Jesus. I, I let go of the status stuff and I give you my, my honest self today. Would you fill me afresh with the Spirit? If you want to do that, would you bow your head with me in prayer? Jesus, you are so good. We can't tell you thank you enough for what you accomplished for us. And we just rest. We just take a minute to take some deep breaths and rest in your status, that we are fully accepted in the beloved by faith. And friends, if you haven't before told Jesus, or it's been a while since you have, and you just want to say, Jesus, my, my sin is too big. I, I am too selfish, and I feel it all the time. I'm tough. I'm tired of living under the weight of that. And I'm tired of realizing that I just couldn't possibly do good enough for you. Would you just forgive me? And Jesus, I trust that you accomplished that for me. Would you help me to rest in your love? You might just say that now as you, as you have a moment with the Lord. And then we just say, Lord, we offer ourselves back to you. We want to be emptied of self and full of your spirit. All of his goodness and kindness and joy and peace and patience with other people. We, we want more of your spirit's power and life in us. 
So would you fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit? May we sense his presence in our bodies, in our minds, in our very being. We wait on the Lord. pray with me if you like aloud the prayer of John the Baptist who said, I must decrease, Christ must increase. Let's say that together. I must decrease, Christ must increase. Again, I must decrease, Christ must increase. One more time. I must decrease, Christ must increase. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, to shape us into the likeness of Christ. And Holy Spirit, we know that when you fill us up as you just have, you, you fulfill your promise. You say when we ask for more of you, your answer is yes. And so we trust you're filling us with the Spirit right now in this place. And as you fill us with your Spirit, he is filling our hearts with song. That's your work, Holy Spirit, is to draw us closer to Jesus. And so uh, may we, being filled with the Holy Spirit, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to God, giving you thanks. And so we're going to sing these words to you, Lord Jesus, that you may be magnified. Lord Jesus, you've been given the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every single tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. for joining us today at Chapel Hill Church. If you'd like to visit us in person, we're located at 7700 Scancy Avenue, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Our worship services are Sundays at 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 a.m. We'd love to meet you. To learn more about Chapel Hill and find out about upcoming events, visit us online at chapelhillpc.org.